Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Mom. Good morning. Good to have you back. No, thank you. It's good to be back. So what's new with you? Well... Uh, nothing too much. Nothing too much. We uh, we are losing a lot of friends that are dying. It's a very sad time for us, uh, one after another. But I guess that's the state of life we're, life we're in. Yeah, they're in their 80s. Yeah. It's the ones in their 40s that are disturbing. Yes. And there's one every day, at least. Somebody famous and they're young that dies suddenly. No other yeah. reason. Um, so what do you want to talk about today? Well, um, it's a new year, so it's a new beginning. And I thought maybe we would have a look at the Beatitudes again and, and try to live them uh, in this new year. Okay. So uh, the eight Beatitudes are values in life that lead us to salvation. They are eight guidelines that uh, that's what the, peop- the true people of God should look like. It's like a roadmap that Jesus gives us to help us find happiness in this world and in the next. And they're the opposite of everything that the world pushes us to believe. So in the Old Covenant, God gave the Ten Commandments, which were, don't do this, don't do that. But now in the New Covenant, he gives us the Beatitudes, which are, blessed are you when you. So there's a subtle difference there. Um, So let's compare what Jesus says in the Beatitudes and what the world says. The world says that in order to be happy, you have to be rich, attractive, have a nice home and beautiful clothes. You have to be independent, free to do whatever you want to do. And the Beatitudes describe how the people of God should be and how to live your life as God intends it to be. It's quite a big difference. So um, the Beatitudes are how to bring the kingdom into the world today. And that's a job for the faithful. So we have a part to play in this salvation of the world. So before we get into each one of them, any anything you want to say about the Beatitudes? Well, uh, they're 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 a way of life, really. It's it's a it's a how-to, whereas the commandments are instructions as to what you can and cannot do. These are more uh, attitudes that you adopt to be mm-hmm. a Christian, and. Many theologians have tied them to um, the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you can find a corresponding gift of the Spirit to each of the Beatitudes if you look closely. So that's kind of an interesting take on it. Um, Thomas Aquinas uh, talks about, um, you know, the first cleansing of the world was the flood with when Noah was around because of the stain of sin. But uh, now, the sin that's most prevalent in his time, he said, was the sin of concupiscence. And consequently, um, it was fitting that the cleansing should be a means of its contrary, namely water. But the second cleansing regards uh, 
both the stain of sin and the impurity of mixture in the respect that both it is more fitting to be affected by fire than by water. So he, if you see a lot of the old prayers, it says who's coming to judge the living and the dead and the world by fire. And, and many of the blessings of, of all sorts of things, metals and statues and uh, oil and candles. Uh, he says it's because the hearts of man are going to grow cold, which is also part of Matthew's gospel. And there's like a tepidness and indifference towards God, which I think we're seeing right now. I think so. And that's primarily it's it's an and not just uh, a rejection of the beatitudes, but a an aversion and a disdain for them. The and culture for those, today and for has those, a hatred for people who would represent those things. And for the, yes, I was going to say that. And for those who practice them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a dividing line going on right now. Well, let's have a look at them. So uh, the first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So to be poor in spirit is to abandon ourselves to God in our weakness and in our powerlessness and give the situation to God. So the one poor in spirit knows God as his help and support. He learns to trust God more and more. To be poor in spirit is to do God's will, not our own. When we are humble, we acquire an inner peace. So God asks us to be humble and to know that we need him and realize that all our gifts are from him. So to know our limitations, to know we can't do things on our own. And we won't always be able to understand or control all situations as they come to us. And an example of that is Father Frank, Frank Pavone, who was laicized without any warning. So um, it's, again, to be poor in spirit, uh, we can control things. God is in charge. And um, to, to abandon ourselves to him in the things that are happening to us and give it to him and ask him to help us get out of it instead of always taking things in our own hands. We can do things, but the first step is to give it to God. Your, your thoughts on that? No, I would say that, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. we're just living in a time when, 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 you, we, when the culture rejects God, everything will go falling apart. It's all just going to come apart because God is a God of union and light and truth and the enemy is is the demon of uh division violence and lies so how can you run a society with division violence and lies which is exactly what it's become mm -hmm. yep exactly but nobody you know they always talk about root causes but nobody goes back to the real root cause it's sin it's sin and a rejection of god you've never heard a single politician say that no nope, never no, it's true. So moving on, the second one is, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So God asks us to mourn, not only for violence, hatred, and injustice, and the condition of the world, but also for our sins and the sins of others. The world glorifies sin, which is just what we're saying. So also people mourn the loss of a loved one. So my husband and I are mourning the loss of so many good friends, and when we mourn, the Holy Spirit comforts us. They shall be comforted. And we can also grieve for people who are far from God. That's a mourning. We're comforted by God's pardon. So um, the people that you know that are far from God, it, 
you should be praying for them. You should be sacrificing for them uh, and not just standing by and saying, well, isn't that too bad? So to mourn is also to accept the trials of life with confidence. God comforts us and will bring us through the trial. Then we are able to understand others going through their trials and to comfort them. So, so many people I know are going through big trials right now. And um, it's really throwing them off their mark. Uh, but again, there, there is a time for mourning and a time for dancing. And we seem to be in a mourning time right now. There's so many things to be mourning for. So, um, blessed are they that mourn. Today, you know, um, I don't know if we went to Mass today yet, but the first reading is uh, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 5, talks about Jesus being the high priest. And that's a very powerful chapter because it it defines not only is he the son, so the sonship of Jesus to the Father, but also he's appointed as the high priest by the Father. Mm-hmm. But it was through his suffering, it's through his suffering that he uh, came into being the redeemer that he he is. And he didn't, even though he didn't deserve the suffering, he, he embraced the suffering. Um, for people who are suffering, you need to go read Hebrews chapter 5. Because suffering is not, um, many people think when they're suffering that God has abandoned them. In fact, he is maturing you in your spirituality to be the saint he created you to be. And if people knew that, it would make the suffering so much easier. Plus, God is with you in it. Jesus is with you in it. And he already knows suffering because he lived it much worse than anything we've done, uh, gone through. So, you know, that that goes right back to the Beatitudes. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing I've noticed that in some of the people I know that are suffering right now is quite a few of them just shut down. They just shut down. They don't answer their phone. They don't contact anybody. They They kind of pull the covers over their head and wait for it to go away. I don't think that's the best way to go through it because we're meant to help each other through these times. Yeah, well, it's just, it's a, it's a different way. It, when you turn in on yourself, that's, it's sort of a, um, whether you have a reason or not. Some people say, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah, but that's not what God wanted. He wanted us to lift each other up. You know, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. This is different how, than how humans think. We think we shouldn't have to suffer. We're doing everything God wants us to do. Why do we have to suffer? Uh, his relationship as a son did not stop because he was suffering. You know, so he was called to walk that path of obedience through suffering, and that's exactly what he did. And so we have somebody who can relate to us in our suffering, and he uses the suffering to restore people back into his kingdom. So you have to remember, when you have a cross... He's always looking at the goal of getting as many people back to or to heaven as possible. So when we unite our sufferings to his, he can convert them to grace to save souls. There's never been a time in history more than we needed the conversion of people. And so it doesn't surprise me that there's going to be more suffering because that suffering can be used to transform the world, bring everybody back to God. But few people know that and even less people do it. It's, it's hard to keep it in mind when you're going through it. <clears throat> You should print it out, a little piece of paper, (laughs) my suffering united to Jesus can save souls, and you tape it to your bathroom mirror. 
That's a good and idea. That way you'd be looking at it every time you go to the bathroom, you'll be reminded, <laughs> I can save souls through my suffering. Yes, it's a rare person that can remember that, but that's a good idea. I also think of when you're suffering, <clears throat> that God is chiseling you and making you into the person he has in mind. Um, we don't like to hear that either, but I think it's true. There's a little chiseling going on. So moving on to number three, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, the world glorifies the arrogant and the prideful, those who exploit and use others. And we see a lot of that. But I can say that to be meek is to be strong because it's easy to have an outburst of anger. And um, it takes courage to resist the anger. When, when you're somewhere and somebody is screaming and raving at you, the easiest thing is to retaliate in kind. But if you have uh, these beatitudes in mind, you can, you can stand there and resist the anger and um, not, not react to what people are giving you. Yes, restraint is very difficult. Yes. And that's why it takes grace to do it. Uh, and, you know, Teresa of Avila, she, she had a bookmark that she wrote up once, and that was found in her Bible. Uh, the bookmark she wrote, she wrote a little prayer. It said, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God only is changeless. Patience gains all things. Who has God wants nothing. God alone suffices. So yes. you can tell that she was, uh, she was someone who knew <laughs> suffering because you don't write a prayer like that unless you're being provoked that's another good one to write down on an index card and keep handy <clears throat> yeah so god asks us to have this spirit of humility gentleness and self-control self-control and we don't take our emotions out on other people uh, we think of them ahead of ourselves you have to remember and very few people know this god comes first other people come second and ourselves come last and most of the world wants to put themselves first. I have a, a friend who's a psychologist, and uh, he he tells his patients to put themselves first. And I mentioned this to him one day, and he was like shocked. He's like, what? <laughs> put ourselves last? He said, that's not what I'm teaching them. So <clears throat> if we're full of pride and our hearts are hard, other hearts remain closed as you return you know, just for that. But if we're meek and humble, other hearts open up and respond to God's love in us. It's how we can win souls for the kingdom. An example of this is Mother Teresa, the time that that man spit in her face when she asked for money for the poor. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything in her must have wanted to retaliate, but she didn't. She just remained calm and she smiled and said, but do you, that's for me, but do you have anything for the poor? And that man converted that man became her, a big benefactor of hers. Yeah. So that that proves the um, the blessed are the meek. We forget, though, that God is not like us. He is so different. He works in complete paradoxes mm -hmm. that we just don't really get until maybe, I guess, we get to walk through them enough times you start to figure it out. But, you know, think about it. We suffer to get well. In God's kingdom, we surrender to win. We die to live. We give away to keep. It's totally opposite of what we are trained for by the world. Yeah, it is. It is. <clears throat> okay, number four. 
<clears throat> Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Well, righteousness is holiness. So it's a desire for God and wanting to please him. And it's wanting to do his will and not our own. It's doing what God wants and not what we want. Um, I, I remember the day uh, your grandmother was dying and I really didn't want to watch her suffer anymore. And I said to you, why doesn't God take her? And you said, well, don't you want to be in God's will? It's not his will that she go today. And there it is, his will, not my own will. So <clears throat> we, ha we have to always remember that too. So again, righteousness is a thirst for the truth. And today, do we know what truth is? It's distorted every day. Every day, lies abound. We're fed lies every time we turn on the TV or go onto our computers. So it's a, it's a thirst for the truth. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate truth. So the question I would ask here about hungering and thirsting after righteousness is, are we willing to work for the salvation of souls? And I mean work. Uh, you know, we get up and we go through our day. But if we put the mindset on of, I want to save souls today, there's plenty of people we know that need saving, sometimes even in our own families. Are we praying for them? Are we interceding for them? Are we offering up sacrifices for them? I mean, it's work. But we, if we want heaven for others, that's what we have to do. Uh, an example of this is St. Therese, the little flower. She prayed <clears throat> for the soul of a convicted killer who was going to have the death penalty. And she prayed and she prayed. And at the last moment, he asked for a crucifix and kissed it. So uh, he had a conversion at the end. But <clears throat> it takes work on our part. Yeah, the other thing I, that people have to realize is, you know, the best thing you can do is what the Blessed Mother did when when she was called for this enormous task of becoming the Mother of God. She said, let it be done according to your word. Let it be done. So she knew she couldn't do it. She said, I, I'll be fully available to you, but let it be done as you have said. When we stop playing the role of being, you know, the, the mastermind of the universe in control of everything, and we just consent to embrace what comes to us day by day, that's when life becomes full of meaning. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. They, they want to control everything, and then half the time you're getting it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there is a freedom in it. Oh, my brother just texted me. He's got that prayer card with the bookmark prayer right on it. Yeah. And that's his saint this year. And by the way, remind Dad, tomorrow is Anthony of the Desert. Oh, is it? That's his saint. That's his saint, yep. Yeah. So number five, <clears throat> excuse me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So to be merciful is to do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And it would be to be attentive to the needs of others. Um, so the needs, if they're hungry, if they're thirsty, if they are homeless, if they're sick, if they're uh, in need of burying, those are the corporal works of mercy. For the spiritual works, it's if they're ignorant, if they're doubtful, uh, to forgive their offenses, to comfort them, uh, and to pray for them. So there's a lot to be done there, too. You know, up at St. Edward... Um 
the last parish I was at, there was a big uh, garage below a house that we owned that used to be the Knights of Columbus Hall. But um, the priest that took over for me, Father Bolso, um, was, I guess, praying and working with people about what could they do with the space. It wasn't really being fully maximized. And they, they, re, uh, they remade the space into a um, hospice center. Mm-hmm. And I think they can accommodate three or four people at a time. And they have volunteers that come in and take care of these people. And now they have their own little hospice for people who are dying who don't really can't afford to go somewhere. Um, and they've had their first, I think it opened, I don't know, maybe six months ago. And um, they've had quite a few people come through already. And it's been a great blessing, not just to the people, but to the whole parish. But there it is, taking care of the people who are dying. That's That's a beautiful thing they're doing there. Yeah. So, uh, being merciful, the world is unforgiving and it wants to even the score. Uh, We don't look at it that way. We look at people with mercy and kindness and forgiveness. So, that was number five. Number six, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart are those who put God in the first place. They don't try to control or to dominate. They're free from evil desires, and they seek justice. Uh, they live a Christian life. There's no hatred in their heart. They can see and experience God's presence. The world is self-righteous and arrogant, and they do whatever they want. So the pure of heart have the heart of a child. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. Peacemakers want to live in harmony with others. They're filled with God's peace, and they spread it to those around them. The world desires war, hostilities, discord, and division. Number eight, blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So righteousness is holiness. And sometimes we're judged and hated by others because of our faith. The persecuted stand up for God, and they're faithful no matter what it costs them. These are the saints and the martyrs, and we are all called to be saints. The world turns away from God when the cost is too high. So when we suffer for Christ and others, the kingdom of heaven is our reward. God has prepared a place for us. And God can draw good from our persecution. So examples of this are so many saints and martyrs. So to just wrap it all up, Jesus is the embodiment of all of these that we just talked about. He lived the Beatitudes fully. And they, they reflect who Jesus was. So he's the ultimate peacemaker. He's poor in spirit. He's meek. He's righteous. He's pure in heart. He's pure light. He's merciful. And he was persecuted for us. So when we go through the list of Beatitudes, we can see where we are lacking. And we can strive to overcome our weaknesses and be more like Jesus. So it's sort of like a New Year's resolution, but with eternal effects. And so probably the things we decided to do for New Year's are probably hit the wayside at this point. So we can start over with these. So we have the help of the Holy Spirit, um, which is the new covenant. In the old covenant, when they had the Ten Commandments, they didn't have that help. So we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us live these Beatitudes more fully. And um, 
we're just decided, we're invited to decide for humility, meekness, purity of heart, and to be a peacemaker. And um, I'll end it with a uh, Bible uh, section, Hebrews, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So that's that's my New Year's resolution. Very good. It's very difficult to live these in 2023 because this is a very difficult time in history uh, where it's there's an antichrist spirit, there's an anti in it, the, the destruction of innocence and purity is everywhere. So to have a pure heart means you've got to guard your heart, and that means guarding your senses from taking in stuff that isn't pure. Uh, probably the worst time in history for that, given the internet and social media and those stupid phones that everybody has in their hand. Um, very hard. So you, you're going to have to work hard to live the Beatitudes, a lot harder today to live the Beatitudes than you just a hundred years ago, I would think. But it can be done, and the grace is there. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. It's so much more necessary today, though, than on other days. Okay, well, it's always necessary, but it's harder today. Yeah. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being on, Mom. Have a great rest of your day. This is Father Dan signing off. <laughs>